0: 702. The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener.
1: Live, streaming countrywide. On the
0: Prime Media Plus ad.
1: Yes, TV Channel 856-92.7 and 106 FM. <laughs>
2: Coming up on the show today, Anurj Singh loses his application to have his bail conditions relaxed, so he can't go be a CEO in Dubai. your Beni Tavern owners get a five grand fine for selling alcohol, but what about the 21 deaths? The ANC launches its election manifesto in Ittaquini tomorrow. The DA says it's bringing a contempt of court application in the catered deployment fight, and it's Friday, so sports and good things too. All of that over the next hour.
1: 702 Let's walk the talk
2: Good afternoon. Welcome to the Madeira Report on 702 and Cape Talk with me, Mandy Wiener. That leads story in Eyewitness News. The DA's leader, John Steenhazen, announcing that they are now going to pursue a contempt of court application in this catered deployment fight. I'll uh, ask Nomvula Bokunyani about that when we speak to her a bit later on today. Uh, but they want to see Fakila Mbalula going to, going to jail for contempt of court. Uh, so we'll unpack that one. And then, how is this in your Benny Tavern? Uh, decision in the courts today. So, to be clear, 21 children died in this incident, but this was only a court case to do with the selling of alcohol illegally to minors. There's still no clarity on what actually happened to these kids. All of this time later. So each of the uh, tavern owners have received a 5,000 rand fine each or they can alternatively spend 100 days in prison. Uh, My colleague Nikolaus Bauer has tweeted, what an absolute mockery of justice. 21 children die and nobody faces any real consequences. 5,000 rand fine, that's 238 rand and 10 cents for every dead child. That just puts it into perspective. What are your thoughts on that? Send me a WhatsApp voice note. Well, let's have a look at these developments in court now around Anoj Singh. He went to court to have his bail conditions relaxed. He wanted to take up a job in Dubai. Remember, of course, the former Transnet CEO and ESCOM official is facing fraud and corruption charges. Uh, so that matter of the bail application um, relaxation was heard today. But the actual trial, uh, or that matter, was also in court today. Khomoto Modise, EWN reporter, covering that for us. Khomoto, good afternoon to you. Take us through the court's decision today. Magistrate Emmanuel Magampa saying that uh, Anurj Singh cannot have bail conditions relaxed. Yes,
3: that's,
4: that's true, Mandy. So the magistrate really taking into account... The arguments that had been made by Singh and the state, and I think at the heart of the argument by Singh is that while he's in South Africa um, and he, you know, uh, currently is associated or linked to state capture, uh, he cannot find employment. You remember that uh, Singh was stripped of his CA title as well, so he's no longer a chartered accountant, uh, making it near impossible for him to find work as a CFO or CEO. But Magistrate Mahamba really saying that, you know, even um, while that's the case, there's nothing stopping him or he's not convinced that Singh cannot find work as an ordinary employee or a consultant. Uh, There were also, um, you know, conversations or arguments made by his lawyers about his right to earn a living. Um, But the magistrate's saying that that right to earn a living really needs to be considered together with the obligation that he has to stand trial in this country and found uh, guilty or innocent. And so the decision then was made um, for his uh, uh, bail relaxation application to be dismissed. This means that he will not be able to go to Dubai and take up that offer as CEO of this company called, I believe it's called Rich for, Rich for Cash, is it? Um, That's great, um, <laughs> Yes, and so that uh, he will not be taking up that position at least physically there um, in Dubai.
2: Rich for cash, which of course apparently has no website either, So, um, and if he has no contractor, I think there are lots of questions there. Uh, the actual um, matter of uh, the case against Singh, that was also in court today, right?
4: That's right, yes. So immediately after that appearance um, that Singh made in one courtroom, he moved to another courtroom, um, and he was joined by his, Thirteen co-accused, um, and that's of course the corruption matter. So it's a it's a fraud, corruption, tearing matter uh, that involves uh, Brian Milafer as well, um, and also involves um, you know uh, uh, other other employees who were um, linked to that locomotive tender, that Transnet locomotive uh, that deal, right? That's really become um, infamous, and so that matter was heard in the um, in the Palm Ridge Magistrate's Court and has now been referred. To the Johannesburg High Court and will be heard on the 24th of March for pre trial.
2: Khomoto, thank you very much Hamoto uh, Modise, EWN reporter speaking to us there uh, Anoj Singh has uh, not been successful with that application to have his bail conditions relaxed so he can't go and be a CEO in Dubai um, the court saying that they're concerned about the sketchy details provided by Singh about this proposed employment in Dubai the magistrate's saying that Singh um, he understands that, that Singh can't get senior jobs here uh, because he's been stripped of his chartered accountant's Status, but uh, the court deciding that no, he cannot go to Dubai. I think that there would probably be a lot of people that would support that idea.
1: 702, 702.
2: Mandy Weena. Weekdays 12 to 1 p.m. A few other cases that we are watching for you. The three accused in the Palapala farm robbery case and the alleged theft of millions of foreign currency at the president's uh, Palapala farm in Bella Bella, They're appearing in court today. So we are watching that one. And then, of course, I mentioned at the start of the show that there has a, uh, been a decision a sentencing in the Enyobeni tavern owner's case. Uh, so the tavern owners, Siakangela Ndebu and Wuyokazi Ndebu, have been sentenced to a fine of 5,000 rand each or spend 100 days in prison by the East London Regional Court. Magistrate Kevin von Brutt handing down that decision earlier. Have a listen to what the magistrate had to say.
5: In this light, I believe that uh, the imposition of a fine would be appropriate. When considering the possible suspension of part of it, I would have to say that that would probably be futile it is difficult to imagine any scenario where the two accused would be issued with another liquor license at present uh, under present circumstances um. I don't think I can take it any further than that at this point in time. (laughs) Having tried to balance all the interests as fairly as possible and considered the the applications which have been made and the interests of the community. (laughs) Uh, Each of the accused is sentenced to a fine of 5,000 rand or 100 days imprisonment.
6: Uh,
5: Would they be in a position to pay the fine today or do we need to refer it to the prisoner's friend? Okay. The matter will be referred to the prisoner's friends so that arrangements can be made for deferment and payment over a suitable period.
2: So, that is the magistrate in the Inyobeni Tavern Owners case that sound courtesy of News from Africa. Now, at the start of the show, I did say that this is concerning because what about the 21 deaths? This is only for the sale of alcohol um, to, uh, to minors. That is what was illegal here. I know that they are two separate cases um, and that this was only the case that had to do with the selling of alcohol illegally. The concern is what is happening with that case of the 21 deaths. We know that there is a big backlog with forensics um, and that there's going to have to be this process of getting the forensics in order to have a successful case. We need to know what happened to these kids. Somebody has to be held accountable to them uh, for that. Uh, So lots of response on the WhatsApp line. The sentencing has got nothing to do with the death of 21 students. It's all to do with the selling of alcohol to underage people. I understand that. But I would like to see the experts of this case so that we can have some kind of accountability for the deaths of 21 children.
1: 702, the Midday Report, Monday to Friday,
2: 12 to 1 p.m. Parliament has just posted on the Twitter, on X, that the 2024 election date has been proclaimed and gazetted by the President. Don't forget, of course, you just have a few hours to register. The voters' roll closes at midnight tonight. Uh, So we are very much in election season now. The ANC is launching its election manifesto tomorrow in Itaquini. So all weekend there are events taking place in KZN. We're joined now by the ANC's first Deputy Secretary, general. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Midday Report and thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much and uh, good afternoon for, to the listeners uh, of <laughs> Radio 702. Thank you. So so we now have a, an election date which has been proclaimed and gazetted by the President. The voters' roll closes at midnight tonight. Uh, how is the ANC uh, feeling ahead of the ANC's manifesto launch tomorrow?
3: We all are geared up. We've done everything. We've committed with organized communities. We've communicated with uh, individual members and supporters of the NC in KwaZulu Natal and nationally and internationally. We had our last NEC meeting last night that then uh, adopted the draft manifesto. we looking forward to the president presenting before a fully uh, a full audience in the stadium that takes the uh, The stadium takes 65,000 seated, and then it takes uh, uh, another 10,000, 15,000 on the pitch. And therefore, it is a maximum of 70,000 people within Moses Mapita. And of course, in the event of any need for disaster management, we have the overflow.
2: Are you anticipating um, a full stadium, as you've described? Um, of course, the optics of these things are always important. The EFF holding its manifesto launch uh, there uh, not so long ago with a full stadium. So, of course, then there'll be comparisons. Uh, are you confident and will the ANC be bussing people in or are you expecting the turnout to come from KZN exclusively?
3: Of course, we, we have uh, members and supporters of the ANC coming predominantly from KwaZulu natal with Eteguini giving us more than 50%, and we do have our sister provinces uh, that are neighbouring KwaZulu Natal that are also going to be in attendance. We do. We're not just looking at the stadium being full. We're looking at an audience that will move out of the stadium to go and do work of uh, promoting what would have been the manifesto of the ANC uh, for the coming five years.
2: We do have an announcement from the DA this morning, from the DA's leader, John Steenhuisen that the party will be launching a contempt of court application in this cater deployment issue, which has very much been occupying um, the, the headlines over the past few days uh, between the DA and the ANC. It's a big election issue. Um, what is the ANC's response to this potential contempt of court application? They would like to potentially see the Secretary General of the ANC, Fikile Mbalula, doing jail time for contempt of court. Court. I think it is
3: very opportunistic of the DA. Uh The courts have, have declared, the, the courts have made an announcement, and therefore we, we can't be led into what is not our agenda. It's the DA's agenda to try and divert us. Uh, we have complied with everything. If they feel that there's something that they need to pick up with us, let them go to court. We're busy with the manifesto. Let them focus on what they can do for the people of South Africa and not what they want to do with the ANC.
2: Thank you so much for your time today the ANC's first Deputy Secretary General speaking to us there about the election manifesto launch uh, taking place in Etiquini this weekend as I mentioned the DA leader John Steenhazen has just uh, had a briefing uh, outlining the steps forward on what's going to be happening with this cater deployment issue that has become a big election uh, hot potato have a listen to what John Steenhaisen had to say
7: 82% of grade 4 learners can no longer read for meaning They're starting to join the dots Why the cost of living is going through the roof. And that is because the state's ability to do these things has been so fundamentally hollowed out by CADA deployment that these government departments cannot do their job. We've got an electricity generator and supplier that can neither generate nor supply electricity. We've got a state airline that can barely keep in the air. We've got state mining companies that cannot mine. We've got ports and harbors that cannot import or export goods out of, And all of that can be traced back to cater deployment. And the big dot that is going to be joined, I believe, in this election is the fact that state capture, which Judge Zondo has done an excellent job exposing, would not have been able to take place had it not been enabled by cater deployment. Because you had to put the caterers into the positions before you could then capture the state. So when the government talks about fighting state capture and fighting corruption, it is a hollow promise. Because unless you pull out the the root cause of the problem, the if you don't pull that out of the ground, state capture will happen again, just with a set of new actors. So let's get this legislation out there. Let's stop pretending that this is a victimless crime. The victims are the 30 million people trapped in poverty. The victims are people who live in insecurity. The victims are people who are struggling to put food on the table. And I think those are the election issues. And we are going to, if voters have not started to join the dots, young, in this election, we're going to be joining the dots for them. Because every single calamity and crisis that we face can be traced back to state capture, the genesis of which was the original sin of CADA deployment.
2: So the DA pushing ahead with uh, its legal action in terms of this catered deployment issue. This is very much becoming, a, 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 already is a big election issue. Of course, 1,300 pages of catered deployment documents were handed to the DA by the ANC on Monday as part of the deadline for that court decision. And the documents are revealing. Journalists are going through them, trying to make sense of them. Nokukanya Mtambo, EWN reporter, has been doing that and has been looking at the appointment. Of key positions at state owned enterprises, Noko Kanya joining us now. Thank you very much for for coming in. Tell us what these documents reveal. Good
0: afternoon, Mandy. So, like you mentioned, it's a document of 1,300 pages, quite a bulky document to, to get through. So, it is going to take some time and just also making sense and trying to connect the dots is, of course, going to take some time. But what we have seen so far, at least where I am with, with wading through this, this document, um, or some of the, uh, communications between uh, ANC leaders, particularly that are part of this Catered Deployment Committee, um, you know, often it, it was chaired at least. But it reads like a WhatsApp group. It's like... So, so it is a, a, a communications between um, ANC leaders either through WhatsApp groups um, as well as emails and meeting um, minutes. that uh, These are meetings that would have been had at the headquarters of the ANC at Lutuli House, um, you know, um, uh, within this group or this committee. It's, a, it's a, a, a committee of about 15, less than 20 people. At the time, it was chaired by uh, then Deputy President David Mabuza. Uh, bear in mind, Mandy, that the time frame of the documents that we have would have been 2018 to 2020. So it's not the full extent of uh, how how far back the CADA Deployment Committee goes. It's just limited to 2018 to 2020. And I think that is part of the um, criticism in terms of what the ANC has submitted uh, to the DA. But what we have seen so far are at least what appears to be the ANC's interference in terms of how board members are appointed at critical state uh, owned entities, the likes of Eskim, Transnet, Denel, uh, Prosser as well. Uh, and how this would ideally work according to the committee is that if there are vacancies within the boards of these uh, SOEs that I just mentioned, this would have to go through the ANC cater Deployment Committee to say these are the names oh, with well, a vacancy, um, what names would you like to put forward for, for for these to be occupied by and then they'd then in a sense be vetted by the ANC before then they'd be put forward to uh, the government department so it, it would have to go through the ANC first before then going through the official um government uh, department uh, protocols so that is what we're seeing at the moment the likes of uh, uh, CEOs apologies CEOs CFOs board chairs um, critical critical entities Mandy these are uh, entities that drive the sustainability of our economy keep the economy going uh, and the rest of South Africa in terms of service delivery as well and so uh, seeing some of what we have seen I think is a shocker but what won't be a shocker is the fact that these documents aren't necessarily all new. Um, a lot of what we are seeing at the moment, and what makes it so difficult to try and wade through all of these documents, is the fact that uh, some of the details are what we would have seen when President Cyril Ramaphosa appeared before the State Capture Commission of Inquiry, um, you know, giving evidence about his time as the chair of the um, of this particular state. Um, committee, committee yeah. the 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 Cater Deployment Committee. Again the minutes of the meetings that would have been held between 2012 and 2018 when President Ramaphosa chaired the committee, aren't part of the bulk that we're seeing now, which was the case as well when he appeared before right. uh, the commission. So we still don't have a sense of what would have happened during that time, just these three
2: years, 2018 to 2020. Nokukanya, thank you so much. Uh, Nokukanya Kanya Mtambor having a look at those documents that were handed over and the DA pushing ahead saying they haven't got all of the emails and WhatsApp, WhatsApp messages and that's why they are considering this contempt of court application.
7: What's up, Mandy? On 072 702 uh, Mandy. Mandy, why didn't I find these people like 50,000 rand each? Why 5,000? I mean, 5,000 for those, people. it's like small change for them. It's nothing. At least 50,000, yeah, there's going to be better in front of elders.
1: Afternoon, Mendy. so. Um, yeah. On the New Benet Tavern um, saga, just just for clarity, please note that they were only charged for selling alcohol to minors. That is why maybe the fine is so low. They were not charged for for the matter of the 21 kids. Thanks.
2: Thank you. I have said this repeatedly, that uh, it is two separate matters entirely. So they were only on trial for selling alcohol to minors. They were convicted and sentenced to 5,000 grand each for selling of alcohol to minors. They were not charged with the murder of 21 minors. But my point is... Somebody needs to be held accountable for the deaths of 21 miners. I know, I hear you, I understand what everyone is saying about this, but there is a degree of frustration with the fact that this has only been a trial of selling alcohol to illegal miners. There are lots of unanswered questions here about why the minors were allowed in, uh, what happened to them, what the cause of death was. um, Is there going to be accountability? I take your point on the fact that it's two separate issues and that we should not conflate them. But at the same time, we need to expedite and make sure that something happens here so that the families of those 21 children get some kind of justice too.
1: 702. The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Let's walk the talk.
2: So I told you that uh, Parliament has tweeted that the President has now gazetted and has proclaimed the election date of the 29th of May. So you only have a few hours, people. If you have not registered to vote, you have until midnight tonight, you need to check the voters' roll, See if you are registered in the correct place. The clock is ticking. Let's speak to James Apane, who's the Manager for Electoral Operations at the IEC. James, good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for your time. Today, so now that the data has been proclaimed and gazetted, the voters' roll closes at midnight tonight. Right? What does this mean?
8: Good afternoon, Mindy, and good afternoon to fellow South Africans. It means the candidate nomination opens, and the IEC will issue a timetable that actually specify a whole lot of activities as we move towards the election date.
2: So, if I have not, hypothetically, of course, this is not the case. If I have not registered to vote. What do I need to do before midnight tonight?
8: Mindy, simple. You can go to our online registration portal and try to register. But unfortunately, because of now this gazetting and the fact that we're promoting this, um, we do accept that there may be challenges. We are also open between 8 and 5 at our offices nationwide, Mindy.
2: Okay, and then after midnight, am I able to register at all? Is there any kind of uh, recourse for me if I haven't registered?
8: Not at all. This has been open invitation for some time. After midnight, you will not be able to participate in the meeting if you don't do so before five or before midnight online.
2: What is the status of the voters' role at the moment? How many South Africans have registered to vote?
8: We currently have 76 and we hope that the number will probably reach 27. And we do have a lot of people registering on the Ge- internet. James,
2: sorry, we just lost your line there for a moment. You just broke up. If you can just give us those numbers again.
8: I was saying we currently do have 27.6 million, and we hope that it will uh, actually go to 27.7 million.
2: Okay, and then um, how many of those are from past experience we know that there's a, a low voter turnout? Um, are you confident that uh, w- with what's been done over the past few months to drive registrations?
8: Yes, I am very confident, Mindy, on the young ones, and I'm talking about those that are, you know, uh, under the age of 39, so to speak. So there's been a lot of interest in the election, and I hope that people are going to come in big numbers. The other important thing to note is because, remember, we have had an increase in the number, in the number of uh, South Africans that are eligible in terms of the uh, voting age population. That has increased the number of seats in the provincial legislatures. So there's a lot at stake in terms of getting those seats. And I, I, and I see the political parties are also using that opportunity to, to get people to participate in the election. I am expecting a, vo- a very high voter turnout, Mandy.
2: James, thank you very much. Uh, James Apine is the manager for electoral operations at the IEC. So you have until midnight tonight to go and register for elections. Please do so if you have not done that yet. It's very easy. Even if you don't intend voting, if you're not sure yet, please go and register to vote. Even if you're under 18, you can, should at least, be able to register uh, to vote as well. So go and do that. You've got until midnight tonight. It's crucial. This election is going to be critical. It could change the political landscape of this country. We also know that every single vote is going to count in this election because we could see minority parties becoming key uh, kingmakers in this election. So it's crucial. Do that one thing before midnight tonight.
1: And now, it's back to Mandy Wiener on the Midday Report. This is 7.02. Let's walk the talk.
2: 12.42 on the Midday Report. So, um, it's Friday. So, let's uh, change gears and shift away from catered deployment and uh, court cases and election manifestos and uh, bring some, some lightness. So, of course, on a Friday, we have sports and good things too. But first, I want to tell you about what the Joburg Zoo is doing to celebrate its birthday. Can you believe the Joburg Zoo is turning... 120 this year. So, to commemorate the milestone, they are planning a a series of exciting events and special offers. Um, And the one we're talking about today is pretty cool because they're celebrating donkey years (laughs) with a a 20 rand entry special. Louise Gordon is Executive Manager for the Joburg Zoo. Louise, good afternoon to you. Thank you so much for your time.
9: Thank you so much, Mandy. And we are really excited about our birthday. It's such a great milestone for a zoo in, um, in South Africa, and we're really, really excited to welcome people and make it accessible, and also just to say, um, yes, the 20 Rand is for everybody coming to the zoo, whether you're an adult, a senior citizen, a child, a school, a university student, 20 Rand, but it is important to notice from the 1st to the 29th of March only, because we have an event on the 30th of March, which has um, elevated entrances, so the 1 to twenty nine March. So one should really make use of that.
2: Okay, so that means that uh, anybody can come from the 1st to the 29th of March and they'll only be paying 20 rand to get into the zoo.
9: That's correct. And also even for the
2: events that we are planning, so if you come to, to
9: the zoo charts on the 10th of March, you're only going to pay 20 rand. If you're going to the Zoo Bash, which is on the 21st of March, you're only going to pay 20 rand. If you're going to be part of the Senior Citizen events on the 14th of March, 20 rand per person. I and don't the- think one's ever had such a good deal... In, in a couple of years.
2: And then there's a few other things that you're doing as well. So on the 10th of March, you're doing the Zoo Trot, which is always a, a fun walk, jog through the zoo. And then a few other things. Um, as you mentioned, the 21st of March also is going to be your big birthday. Tell us about that.
9: So we're having a music event in the zoo. We're featuring local artists and local DJs in the zoo. So it will be from 11 o'clock until uh, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And it's a picnic kind of event, so people are welcome to bring a picnic in, bring their picnic blankets, come and sit around the centenary lawn where the artists will be performing. And we're hoping for a good, uh, for good weather and for a good turnout, um, so that people can enjoy a real picnic event um, in the zoo.
2: The zoo, of course, uh, remains an an absolute institution in Johannesburg. It it really is uh, close to many of our our hearts. Um, In terms of celebrating 120 years and what the zoo is doing, just to to keep going and to remain relevant, how do you keep doing that?
9: So we have a number of conservation and education programs. So we have um, universities that come to us for behavior, animal studies. We even have the forensic unit of the police coming to us for behaviour studies and for animal recognition. Um, We do uh, courses for people and we are also doing a lot of conservation work, so to make sure that animal species don't um, uh, become extinct, so we are working on um, insurance populations and our latest venture is to actually also participate in what we call a frozen zoo. We, we will be, uh, freezing some, uh, cells of animals to make sure that if those species do become, uh, obsolete, then they can be, um, regenerated by the frozen zoo idea. So I think it is very relevant, um, mm. in today's age, as well as the fact that, you know, a large population of Johannesburg never gets the chance to go and see, um, animals in the, in the wild. And so we are close by, we're central, and, um, as I say, for March, we're very accessible, uh, with our fee. Um, and so we are encouraging people to come and have a look and see what the big five looks like uh, close up. And they can see all kinds of animals, like the African snakes, um, lots of exciting uh, monkey species, uh, all the cool lions, the tigers, wild dogs, lots of animals to see.
2: Louise, happy birthday to the zoo. We'll be celebrating with you in March. Uh, Louise Gordon is the executive manager of the Joburg Zoo. Uh, The zoo is turning 120. So from the 1st to the 29th of March, just 20 bucks to celebrate the donkey years. Sports Wrap Sports Wrap With Tolakele Mganga. Tolakele Mganga in the studio to discuss the weekend sport. So it's NetBank Cup this weekend. Um, So just explain to people, and don't laugh at this question, (laughs) but there are people that do not understand the difference between these and the formats of these different tournaments. But the NetBank Cup is like the FA Cup, right? Yes. So what does that mean?
1: So, in South Africa, we currently have three domestic cup competitions. We know with the MTN 8, that's for the top eight teams of the season before. So, they'll play that tournament at the beginning of the season. Then we've got the Carling Black Label Cup. That's the top 16 right now. It might change next year, but it was the first year in a while that it's been on. And then currently, we've got the NetBank Cup on. There, it's like a giant killer competition. And for people that watch a lot of English football, it's the FA Cup, where teams from the lower leagues, the third division, division in the form of Highlands Park to teams like Crystal Lake will take on Orlando Pirates so anybody can beat anyone there it's not seeded especially when it's the round of 32 for the lower league teams they have to go through a qualifying process to get to the point where they might possibly face a big name so that's why we get to see some of the some of the teams that we're not used to, but there are familiar names, like in the fact that Alan Fries who was manager of Platinum Stars back when they were still a big name within local football, so we know that he's now with Highlands Park, and we get to see that team. But also, new names are introduced, like Crystal Lake, and for Orlando Pirates, they'll know never to underestimate lower league opposition because they played the likes of Melody Fet College, and we still also remember when Mamelodi Sundowns paid power lines and they claimed that 24-0 victory. So it is a competition where. It's any- like a fairy- Yes. Competition. Anything can happen in this competition. Amazing. So that's happening this weekend. That is happening. Despite all of the games, the thing that has dominated the conversation is this continued beef between TS Galaxy coach Sid Ramavich and Rulani Mukwena. So this started during the Calling Black Label Cup, where TS Galaxy and Sundowns played each other. Sundowns wanted the game to be called off because they were involved in African Football League action. And then uh, Rulani Mugwena complained about how the TS Galaxy players were rough against his Mamiludi Sundowns players. Then it's continued and continued. Then yesterday, during his pre match briefing, he explained rather colorfully, and that's the best way I can use it, the telephone call between the two men where. F-bombs were dropped. He also accused Rulani Mugwena of lying about the fact that Hugo Bruch apologized to him. Because before Fcon, Hugo <laughs> Bush. Days of our lives so, of so many. many of soccer. The last because Hugo Bruch, before Fcon, had spoken to Belgian media to say Rulani Mugwena pretends he's God within in South African football. And then Rulani Mugwena had said, no, the coach apologized. Then Shad Ramovic came up yesterday to say, actually, that phone call didn't happen, and Hugo Bruce never apologized. So we'll wait for Rulani Mugwena to come back from his have Champions League responsibilities to give us a response. Oh, this is wild. <laughs>
2: okay. So that's happening uh, locally and then it's a uh, Carabao Cup um, yes. in uh, England.
1: For all of the bad talk about Chelsea's season being a horrible season, Mauricio Pochettino has a chance to win a title. Of course, they take on a Liverpool team that have roughly six players out of action. Mohamed Salah is a doubt. Trent Alexander-Arnold, he's also out of that match. So that clash is on Sunday at 5pm. Chelsea up against Liverpool. I think with Jurgen Klopp, of course, we know what the theme between now and the end of May is. It's his final, final few months. He's already said that he would ideally love to win all four competitions that the team are involved in. This is their first chance to claim some sort of silverware against Chelsea. Tolekele, thank you so much.
2: As always, tolekele mganga, wrapping up the weekend sport.
1: Good Things. Good Things. With Brent Lindeke.
2: And finishing off the show as always, Brent Lindeke, the Good Things guy, bringing us uh, some good news on a Friday. And Brent, he's in studio. Hey Brent.
10: Hey, I'm back in studio. Happy Friday. To, uh, <laughs> that was a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. I'm I'm all a lot today. I'm in a very good mood. I'm back in studio and I love being in studio because then I get to hang out with all the ladies in studio. It's such a vibe here whenever I come in. The,
2: the joy of an all-women team. all so, women team. so Brent and I did an event last night at DC Coffee. Uh, it was the launch of his book and 400 Joe Burgers came out to see Brent... It was very
10: cool. It was, you know, it was really wild. And I, I wrote a little bit about it this morning. Um, I, we I, You do keynotes, or you do speaking gigs around the country. So do I. We get up on stage and, and we do what we have to do for our corporates. But I don't, sometimes I don't think they're there for us. Like they're there because it's a business. And the, the, the business has said, you need to come to this talk. Last night, there were 400 people who came to see me. And that's so incredibly overwhelming and humbling um, to to think that people actually care about good news and care about good things guy and it's really special actually so it was a really humbling thing um i loved being on stage with you uh, it was so much it was fun. fun it was
2: lots of fun we always joke that uh, brent's the good things guy and i'm the bad things girl because all do i do not. every day is talk about uh bleak news in this country so that's why we bring you on so you have some good news for us um tell us about this neighborhood watch help that uh, saved uh 88 year old from hectic hijacking
10: So there were two women that were in a car and um, the one was 88 years old and the driver got out the car, left the car idling to quickly run into a property to get something. I don't know if they were dropping something off or collecting something. And there was uh, someone who saw an opportunity, an idling car, jumped into the driver's seat and hijacked the car with this 88 year old woman in the car. Luckily, there were um, people who saw what had happened and they were part of the neighborhood watch. They immediately contacted the police they jumped into their cars they started a car chase this all happened in Cape Town uh, they landed up in Racecourse Road um, which is sort of in Kenilworth area and um, they managed to to run down this car with the police involved the hijacker jumped out started running and um, and the police managed to catch him but it was all because of the neighborhood watch that got involved and then they took the 80-year-old, eighty 88 year old woman to Groteskir to make sure that she was okay and she was and she got a bit of trauma counseling but if it wasn't for For that neighborhood watch, if it wasn't for those neighbors in that community, being active citizens, being involved, being there. In their neighborhoods watching what was going on uh this story could have turned out very very differently so good news
2: sure that's the reality of, of crime in south africa unfortunately but uh taking a different view on it um so listen we've had tigers in edenvale and do you uh, remember last yeah, year <laughs> it was crazy i mean we still don't know what the story was of the tiger in edenville but now we've got a story about two Boxburg tigers how do they speak differently if they come from Boxburg? Uh, two Boxburg tigers that have been liberated after two years of captivity. Tell us that.
10: Oh, so the, this, this has been an ongoing case that uh, the SBCA has been working around and towards. Um, two majestic white Bengal tigers, tigers, tigers were kept on a property in Boxburg. These tigers uh, that, that they've known of over the last two years had never ever seen or touched grass before the entire enclosure that they were kept in in the back of this garden was concrete. It was concrete and it was fenced in and that's no life for a wild animal. First of all why do we have tigers in South Africa is a question that I can't answer but secondly the fact that Why do we have
2: them as pets? As
10: pets in captivity. It's just a, a really really sad state of affairs for our wildlife but we have a good news story here and it's that the SBCA are hard workers and working hard on cases like this and they managed Get these tigers to get the papers to remove these tigers off the properties, uh, off the property, um, and then move them to an enclosure where they'll live out the rest of their lives. Uh, there is a video that you can go watch on on Good Things Guy of how this all happened. And let me tell you, you need to have the tissues ready because seeing these tigers um, sort of being set free uh, and for the first time seeing grass, it's it is emotional. Uh, Mandy's laughing. I'm, l- I'm laughing
2: because our listeners are funny, right, and they're sharp. So. It's super- has sent a WhatsApp that says, Mandy, Gwede is one of the Boxberg Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Zipo. You win Friday. You absolutely win Friday. Gwede is one of the Boxberg Tigers. Oh, that's funny. I'm sorry, too. you busy giving us the feels. No, was, all laughing. the feels.
10: All the feels. The Tigers have got all the feels now. Go watch that video on Good Things Guy.
2: And then you've got a story about an eight-year-old dance sensation, a clan quagga who was on
10: the Kelly Clarkson show. So you would have remembered him from a couple of months ago. He went viral. Um, he was wearing like safari gear. Uh, what is it? The burbul gear that he was wearing. And he, he danced that song. His hands were in the air and he was doing his thing and everybody was sharing it. And South Africans, it brought us a lot of joy. I think in the first couple of days or, or weeks that, that that video went on TikTok, it reached like 10 million views really quickly and and then it sort of dissipated and we haven't really heard about clang quagha or what's going on next thing last week he pops up on the kelly clarkson show um he was invited as one of her features uh, she does like a what's hot or what's happening in the world and um they zoomed in him and his mom and they spoke about this viral sensation and his, all his dance moves and kelly clarkson actually said that this was the best Dance routine that she had ever featured on that little feature that she has on her show, and and he was smiling from ear to ear. It was very sweet to watch. And then um, she awarded Klangwacha a thousand dollars just to thank him for just bringing us all the smiles, which is like over eighteen thousand. Like a rand. million rand. <laughs> <laughs> but a really really cool thing to see. Um, another person who's doing great things globally on our screens is Musa Mata, and I've mm. been speaking about him. For the last couple of weeks, he's on the America's Got Talent stage. He's made it sort of to the semi-finals because of the buzzers and all the rest. And this week, he was trending because Callum Scott, that beautiful singer that was in South Africa last year, he sang with Musa on stage while Musa was oh, dancing. Wow. And then, and he gave advice at the end. Um, he, he said to Musa, you know, that even if you don't win this competition... You have already won. And the experiences, because Callum was in a talent show and he said the experiences that you are going to get from this are going to be life-changing for you and for South Africa. It was a beautiful thing to watch.
2: Brent, thanks for always bringing us uh, some good news. We we totally need light and shade in the midst of election madness. So thank you so much for coming in.
10: Absolutely. Um, I know I end off the show every week by saying, uh, wishing you only good things. But today I want to say, please, Go register to vote. That's what we need to do. And only good things.
2: Only good things. Brent Lindeke, the good things guys. So you have until midnight tonight to go and register to vote to South Africa and then the voters' roll is closed. You do not get a chance after that. We have an opportunity to cast our ballots. It's our democratic right to do so. We can change the trajectory of this country, but you have to vote. It is absolutely crucial that you register. So go onto the IEC's website. Go look at the portal. Check if you are registered to vote. Think about who you're going to vote for. I always say if you don't like any of the political parties find the one that's least bad and vote for that one at least. But you have to register to vote before midnight tonight. Have a beautiful weekend. I'm going to be at Menlon tomorrow morning uh, for Brain of 702. So I hope to see you there.